I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi guys, it's Flo Lloyd Hughes from Upfront and I'm here with today's Football Ramble Presents showcase episode. Join me, Rachel O'Sullivan from Girls on the Ball and Crystal Palace keeper Chloe Morgan for Upfront every week over on Ramble Presents. We cover the biggest stories from around the women's game and get stuck into plenty of off-pitch stuff too. We're doing three episodes a week throughout the Euros. You'll also get a few on this feed, so head over to Football Ramble Presents for more of that goodness. We recorded this episode back in December. Rachel, Chloe and I sat down to talk about sexuality, openness and acceptance within women's football. We spoke about our own experiences covering and playing the game and also spoke to Arsenal's Katie McCabe and Aston Villa's Rusha Littlejohn, potentially the WSL's gold standard for couple goals, about using their platform for good. Enjoy. Welcome to Upfront on Football Ramble Presents. I'm Flo Lloyd-Hughes. I'm Chloe Morgan. And I'm Rachel O'Sullivan. Today's show is our last one of the year. It's got real like end of term Christmas vibes when your teacher just plays DVDs for the last week of school and you don't do any work. Um, so we essentially have like taken over the studio. We've taken over the production team and we decided that for the end of term, we were going to do a special episode nicknamed the big gay podcast by chloe morgan on Hello. 69 <laughs> trademark <laughs> tm um and it's very exciting because i think it's 
quite rare to be given the opportunity to basically say, this is what we're going to do. We're gonna, this is what we're going to talk about. And I think it's something that uh, in our own personal experiences, we all feel really excited and, and happy about being able to share. We're going to cover a few different things. We're going to talk about sexuality. We're going to talk about the women's game and the brilliant safe space that's been created. We're going to talk about the amazing couples within it. We're going to be talking about visibility, fans, anything else I've missed, Rachel? I don't think so. I, our personal experiences, you probably touched on that already. But yeah, there's lots to be lots to be covering. Also, like what more can be done by clubs and stuff, I think is another thing we'll touch on. Yeah, we're in a, we're in a very good place, I think, in women's football at the moment. And I think with Rainbow Laces that's been going on recently, sort of start of December, I think that really got us all thinking about how we want to sort of shout from the rooftops about why women's football is such a, an amazing space to be involved in. And I also think what we want to do is say it's not just about rainbow laces and I think that's why the BGP uh, which is our little acronym for it uh, is really important because these sorts of conversations will go beyond just one day where you wear a rainbow armband and, and chuck some laces on they're conversations that have actually happened in women's football quite recently and then we talk about how brilliant the women's game is at creating this safe space but it hasn't always been like that yeah, and actually when you think about where this came from, where this idea came from, it came a good few weeks before the Rainbow Laces activity started. It, you know, we, we were having a chat in our WhatsApp group about it um, last month, I think it was. I think it was off the back of a Magdalene Eriksson and Pernilla Harder interview. The pictures from that interview were leaked. And yes, like, the Face oh, Magazine shoot. Oh women's my football God, Twitter went into that. meltdown because we were just like, how amazing is it to have these this couple kind of just so open and happy and themselves it was like a wedding shoot wasn't it so nice yeah yeah that that was one of the sparks now you're reminding me now that was that was a moment so we're going to tap into some of that shortly but first i had uh, the pleasure of sitting down with arsenal's katie mccabe aston villa's rusha little john um one of the most iconic couples in women's football um and i got a chance to sit down with them and talk about their relationship how they met being who they are and uh, the impact that has on other people. Katie Rusha, thanks so much for chatting to me. Um, it's, uh, it's it's an interesting one for you guys because you're playing in the same league um, but in different teams. And I guess the first question I want to ask is what's it like when you play each other? She's never fit when we play each other. <laughs> I'm never fit. I'm, I'm normally on the losing team, so... It's not always fun, but... Well, well. most recently, it was obviously the Aston Villa game, which obviously you were out for the yeah, yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think before that, it was when you were playing for West Ham, you'd come on. Oh, yeah. This is a good one. Um, where I was at West Ham, I was on the bench. And when I'm sitting on the bench, obviously, I'm just drinking water and whatever I'm drinking, just keeping nice and hydrated. And anyway, I pee like a horse, so I'm in and out, going to the toilet. And it got to half time, so I was in at half time, and it was Matt Beard at the time, and he was like furious, like shouting, ranting, and raving. And I was like, "Why is he so angry? Like, it's nothing each at half time. We're doing all right." And then that after the game or something, was it one of the girls said to me, "They're like, what about Katie's goal?" And I was like, "What? Like Katie's goal? Well, she took it well." I was like, "I didn't see it." I was like, "When did Katie's goal?" You obviously didn't see was, it. It was the first time. Yeah. Well, I clearly remember it. It went top in um, from a corner. Uh, and yeah, you just completely missed it. Mm-hmm. Didn't see it, didn't happen. So that's up. More often than not, I think we're, we rather play on the same team, obviously, with Ireland. Um, I think that's easier for both of us. Um, yeah, obviously, uh, sharing the pitch that way. But now we haven't actually 
It's not been too bad when we've been up against each other. Risha, how many goals of Katie's have you missed because you've needed the toilet? Wait, probably a fair few. Probably a fair few. You didn't miss that chip by Aston Villa, did you? No, I didn't miss that. No, I didn't miss the chip by Aston Villa. (laughs) She'll remember that one. (laughs) And is it ever stressful, obviously, when you're in moments when you're playing on the same team and someone has a bad game? Like, how do you how do you manage those moments? Um, I think we're quite honest in a sense that um, obviously when we're at, we are on the training pitch or at the stadium preparing for a game, we're obviously very much professional and I think we can be honest in the sense that if one of us did have a, a terrible game, Rusha has no problem saying that. Um, I'll probably go a bit easier, but uh, I like to keep her humble, keep her <laughs> grounded. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, it's it's good. I think it's um, I think we have a, a a good balance in terms of our our work um, in terms of our football, and then obviously our life away from football as well. I think I think it's important to to hold a good balance in that sense. And for you guys, I mean, when you when you first got together, how did you feel about you both being in the public eye, playing international football? Did you ever feel like you probably wanted to keep this personal side of your life personal and and not? make it known to everyone that you were together um I don't think so it wasn't something that we actually thought about or discussed in terms of okay let's not not tell anyone um or yeah not kind of show who we are if that makes sense we've always been quite open and honest people um even before we met each other and um yeah, like obviously the women's game back six years ago, um, it wasn't as big as it is now. Our profiles weren't as as big. Um, so there was a bit more, yeah, I guess you could kind of relax a bit more in that sense. But um, no, it was never a discussion where we were going to hide it. Um, as I said, we were open and honest from, from the start. And I think that was an important thing um, to maintain throughout our relationship. Um, now, now the game has a massive profile as well. Like, have you have you had fans reach out to you to talk about the impact of of you guys and and the the way that you are such a visible couple within the game? To be honest, only done something for Aviva Ireland. When was that? A couple of years back, three, four. Years. Yeah, about three, four years ago, we we done something for them, just about coming out and just like showing visibility. And after that, I think we had a, well, I had a couple of messages. Obviously, you don't see everything if you've not followed everyone. Like you don't always go through all your mail, but when you do, you might see it. And there's been a few messages, so we probably replied to a couple of people. But apart from that, like it's not I've not had loads. You've probably had a lot more than me. Yeah, like mm-hmm. I think that the platform of even gave us at the time to to kind of come out and and paint our national stadium back in Ireland. Like obviously the rainbow colours and um yeah as Risha said to, to show the visibility and the inclusivity for for everyone really um was was so important and for us to use our platforms to send that message to not just Ireland I think it reached a lot um a lot of more of a broader audience than that as well so after that there was not like I can't I can't say I got any negative comments from that um it was all positive it was all people um sharing their stories of how they came out or how they're maybe still kind of struggling to come to terms with who they are um, and just kind of asking for advice on that on, on that front. So I think it was important for us. It was about helping people and maybe giving people the courage to be able to come out. Um, and I, yeah, I hope we obviously, we've done that at that time. Is it weird for you guys as well? Because obviously most people just go into the sport wanting to play football and 
you get like a new level to it when you feel like you are a much more of a role model for so many people. Is that quite sort of scary sometimes? Do you feel like there's a pressure? Um, I think for me, it's more so just um, for me, it's like realising I need to behave and what the pressure is having <laughs> to say certain things. That's that's my trouble, but um, that's only pressure for me. But no, not not really. It's, you don't really think about it, I don't think, do you? It's no, just, uh, I think, um, yeah, I think obviously, like given the platform we have and the the young people that look up to us, um, especially as the game grows and the game gets bigger, you have a responsibility. Um, but it's important to not lose who you are within that responsibility as well. Like you're there playing um, for Aston Villa or Arsenal in Ireland for a reason. Um, so yes, yeah, it's, it's important to obviously have that maybe, yeah, that responsible side, um, but not lose who you are in the process either. And I've got to ask you guys as a... As a couple, I mean, I know you live in this kind of chaotic house with Shaban, uh, obviously the, the twins. It's kind of a sitcom, really, is how I imagine you guys all live is like a little bit of a TV show, like some kind of equivalent to the Kardashians in, in some in some kind of way, maybe. Um, but what is it like living living with each other, playing the same game, living in this house with, with the rest of your family as well? I think we're quite lucky is and where we're living right now, it's like it's a good size, so... We do have space, you know, we've got our own sitting room where we can go and chill together and Shaban, our husband and the kids have their own area. So that's good. My, my only only trouble is Shaban's not as clean as me and neither are our kids. So all I do is clean up after them all day. But apart from that, it's it's quite good. It's nice. It's nice to see the kids every day too. And obviously, well, we, we can be out a lot. I'm away, obviously, to Birmingham during the day. She's away to London Colony and stuff. So... We are out the house. It's not as though you're on top of each other all the time. So, and obviously, Siobhan and uh, Jamie, they're working too. So, um, we've got a nice balance. Um, yeah, kind of obviously, yeah. it came into play at COVID, um, which, um, yeah, so we moved in together kind of right at the start of COVID because, who, yeah, who knew what was going to happen. Um, so, I'd say if you had to put cameras in at the start of COVID till now, you would have got a, a right reaction. Um, but no, it's, it's it's great. Like, I we both come from from big families and kids, and having the kids there, even if you come in after a terrible result, to to kind of, yeah, to cheer you up and, yeah, kind of take your mind away from it is, is really nice. Um, and obviously, it's not forever. So, we're enjoying it as, as much as we can for now. And, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely miss them, miss them whenever we uh, move out eventually. And I got asked, you know, the, the cliche questions of like, who's the who's the messiest in, in this relationship? <laughs> oh, it's not bloody me, I'll tell you that. Like my clothes, so I'd come in and just kind of look, put, throw my clothes down Um and she, yeah, you hate that, don't you? Yeah, and then they, she'll start letting them pay them up. They'll stay up. And pay them up, but then I have to hang them up and put them away. Because she does it better than me. So no, if I don't yeah. hang them up properly away, I'll get told off for yeah. that as well. So I'm quite particular. So if she wants to be with me, she has to, you know, play by my rules of being tidy. So Rusha, you saying you say you wear the trousers probably in the, in this relationship. Is that what you're no, saying? No, she doesn't. She's actually a lot more needy than me. I don't think people would believe that. <laughs> but like, yeah, I have to. You're quite you're quite tough work at times, but 
think I'm quite easy going to be honest Flo (laughs) and uh, when it comes to kind of like you know organizing dates and and hangouts who who's the most who's the most organized when it comes to that kind of I'll give Katie that one she's all right at that one but it's normally because she's probably apologizing for something so she's probably sweet me up that's about I don't know where you're going with this (laughs) no she she you'd never book a date with me I don't know it's just I'd like to just I like making sure we've got that one or two um nights a week or whether that's in the day or on our day off to just kind of do something and switch off because as I said it's important to come away from football every now and again and also I mean is there any is there is there any kind of cute romantic way in which either of you wooed each other or was it literally the most boring basic thing or do you have some kind of cute story to I share it was my chat that <laughs> You know what? We didn't actually chat. We never spoke. We used when, to. Yeah. So we used to go to camp. Um, like obviously, one of would have been my first few camps and stuff. But I'd always, I'd always had fancy drew shit or whatever, and we never spoke. Like never spoke, which was so weird. And we'd always kind of just speak on the the last day of camp, and then obviously we'd be leaving for another four weeks, you know. And then we'd see each other at the next camp again, not speak to each other for nine days. And then have a conversation on the last day of camp and then go again. So that was a common yeah. theme. I don't know if you've heard the saying of treat them mean, keep them keen. That was my motto at the time. <laughs> Seems to work. Paid off. But that was uh, yeah, yeah that, that was, was that, that was it. Yeah. Um and then you got brave. It's a lot of she got brave and it's a lot of um, yeah, some lights out as well involved yeah. and stuff like that, but we won't go into that too much. <laughs> that always helps. That always helps. A bit of Dutch courage, you know. Sometimes you need that. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. It was great chatting to you. Um, thank you so much. I'll, I'll see you soon. Thank you. Thanks for having us, love. Cheers. We just weren't going in, concentrating on ourselves. We wanted to put on a really, really good performance for everyone, not just here, but in Ireland at home um, as well. Like, it's been a tough year for everyone. A big... <laughs> a big um, Rushi, you're very welcome to come in and present her with her award. Who's packing these man of the matches? Is it mum? <laughs> very, very nice to hear from Katie and Rusha there. Um, it's so funny to just witness and sit with people who just don't give a fuck. <laughs> How um, refreshing. Uh, and I think... I think it's it's really hard, especially for Katie, who's got a really big profile now. You know, Rusha's coming towards the end of her playing career. I think it's a little bit different. Oh, she won't appreciate that. I think she she admits that herself. She I doesn't think. like other people saying it though. She um, <laughs> and I think if you if you are one of those players with a slightly different generation, a little bit older, like her, it would have been different if she was Katie, Katie's age and coming into this now. But Katie's like in the prime of her career, playing with Arsenal, having a brilliant season. Like her profile is big, but to still sit there and just not give a shit is so refreshing yeah they're so unapologetically themselves which I really enjoy and I think a lot of people enjoy and we need more of but I also think we're very lucky in the women's game that we do have a lot of players who are unapologetically themselves Um, and that maybe comes with the fact that the game is growing you know a lot of players in the men's game are very much media managed we know that like there's a lot of intrusion into their private lives Um, so yeah to see those two especially be so relaxed and comfortable and open and they absolutely troll each other on social media like they're just the most fun to kind of to follow and so yeah it's really really nice to see and it does actually it probably impacts a lot more people than they realize 
yeah, they were very, they were very sort of humble and sort of self-deprecating about the impact because I think Lisa Evans was the same. I mean, a lot of players don't really realise how much of an impact they have on people's lives. And they did talk about, you know, one particular bit of PR that they did in Ireland that actually got a lot of pick up and it got a lot of DMs. But apart from that, I guess because they don't have people actually sort of like sliding their DMs and being like, you changed my life. You would never know. But just them simply existing on this level does have a massive impact. But I think that's the normality of the women's game. I think you, 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 as a player, I suppose, you just get sucked into, this is just a normal relationship. This is normal life. I'm not doing anything extraordinary here. I'm just talking about my partner, which would be the same for, for any straight couple. So I think obviously it's, it's it's maybe quite difficult for players to appreciate the impact because to them, they're just living their day-to-day lives. Um, but I agree, it's been so phenomenal, I think, to see so much coverage now of these amazing WSL um, players stepping out and being so, you know, proud, just just awesomely out and proud um yeah that's just something that we've not seen a lot of attention and focus being given in in uh, in years previously and I don't think that's for want of there being players that have not wanted to step into the limelight I think it's just that now they're starting to get more coverage and it's starting to be picked up and maybe there's some commercial value as well in you know these couples starting to appear now but I think it's phenomenal because the impact that it's having on you know the younger generation girls coming up in the game who might be from that community who might not know or whatever it is um is, uh, is huge and it can't be underestimated. And I think what's also so perfect about who they are is that it's like them being gay and their sexuality is not a thing. Like they just exist as a couple and it's brilliant and we all love them and they're funny. They have this hilarious banter with each other and they don't go around being like, we're gay. Like it's not a thing. They don't yeah. make a big deal of it. And I think that's what's so brilliant. And we have so many other couples in a similar position where it's just like, you're existing and you're being yourself and we don't need to make a big deal of it. I think it's a lot to do with the profile of the women's game and, you know, they've just been themselves always kind of. It's never been a, I'm now going to make this statement and and kind of come out in the public eye. They've just been them and then as the profile of the game has grown, their profile has grown and they've just continued to be themselves. Um, it's it's interesting you said there about commercial opportunities. I think it was, was it Magda and Pernilla who both signed for polar or something like talk about getting a power couple and getting like nailed that opportunity and we'll probably see more of that and I think you're right like we're celebrating it's a unique thing right you you know because people are comfortable being open we can talk about like players having to play against each other you know that probably doesn't conversation probably doesn't happen a lot in sport and that's a really interesting dynamic when you've got one person on one team, one person on another team, what happens, you're living together, what's it like when on match day or you know when you're on the pitch against each other and that that just gives you another kind of level of insight into the women's game because we talk a lot about how open and accessible it is and that's just another layer that we can kind of get from the game that we wouldn't maybe see other anywhere else. Yeah, and I think we always talk about that accessibility as being relatable, but I think when it comes to love and relationships, there is nothing more relatable than that because it's what we all strive for, that joy, that happiness. And so for these players to share that with us, it's just like it heightens that relatability. I mean, Sam Kerr and, and Christy Mewis being like the ultimate, like their essential sort of like romantic holiday that they had after the Olympics and they're almost having now in London is like, you know, my friend Jesse put it perfectly. If you've just banked yourself a hot, a hot bird, obviously you're going to want to show her off all over social media. And like, that's essentially what they're doing. And I think that's what's brilliant. It's like, they are doing what we all want to do. Like when you're happy and you're in love, 
You want to like shower out from the rooftops. You want to Tom Cruise it on Oprah's sofa. <laughs> and I think that's what's brilliant about what some of these players are doing. It's like they are, they're doing exactly what we want to do. And they, are, they don't like, you know, they're not afraid to shout from the rooftops and say, like, I am queer and I'm loving life and it's joyful. And I think that's is massively what I talked about in, in my recent piece. And I think it's really important because although their visibility is massive to highlight, you know, and help other people that may be struggling, the narrative doesn't always need to be negative. It doesn't always need to be a, a narrative of a struggle. Like what's so brilliant about being able to chat to Katie and Rusha and see Sam and Christy and, and Pernilla and Magda is like, you're just seeing people be happy and there is nothing more relatable than happiness. And I think there's also sort of, you know, obviously, you know, what you were saying about, you know, these couples being very openly out and proud. And obviously that's amazing because they've now become role models and that's fantastic. But I think there's also the side of, you know, the more private couples, the couples that we don't know about, but the couples that exist within teams and within, you know, within the actual teams themselves or within sort of the leagues and things. And, you know, as a player and sort of being in a couple of teams myself, I mean, you find that the vast majority of the team or the teams that I've played with, you know, the vast majority of the players are from the LGBTQ plus community. And whilst they not might not be openly out or they might not share pictures of, you know, them going out and about with their partners or, you know, showing pictures of their kids and their partners and whatever it is, I think the the atmosphere that you get within the dressing room is very much one of, you know, you can come out, someone could walk in, you know, first day, uh, first day on the training squad, you can go, actually, you know, I'm going to go and see my girlfriend at the weekend. Everyone's like, no one cares. Yeah. Anything else? Like, anything cool. Else You've got add? a girlfriend. Cool story, bro. Right, Don't rub it in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anything else? Um, what are you having for dinner? So it's just like, it's become so commonplace now and so accepting within you know the dressing rooms themselves and now obviously out in sort of the more public sphere that I just think it's such an interesting facet of, of the game. Um, yeah, it's, it's beautiful just to be able to sort of be that free at work yeah I think that's probably something we, we take for granted is everything that goes on behind the scenes in, in the example you gave is like we think about the public facing people the people like Kate and Rusha who don't give a shit and are you know gate crashing each other's interviews in a hilarious way on Irish television going viral with it just like so iconic but then everything else that you know their behaviour makes everyone else feel at ease in the background because regardless of your sexuality not everyone wants to share their whole entire life on social media and you don't need to even if you are in the public eye but I thought I think what's great is that we're giving people the ability to make those decisions and if they do want to shout from the rooftops they can if, and if they don't they don't but there's almost like we're not talking about it in a, in a in a way that we're making a big deal about it. Yeah, I thought what you said earlier about it being relatable was really good because like, you know, as fans of women's football, we all look at women's football and be like, oh, I wish I could be a professional footballer. Like, that's never going to happen. But you could be someone who's looking at a really like positive, beautiful relationship, who are having a really nice time, who are open and proud and happy. And that actually is much more attainable. Yeah. And you can look at that and <laughs> exactly. say, Do you know what? Like, I might get that. I might get that. And yeah. like, I might actually, for someone, you know, you don't only have to be struggling to come out if you're out and maybe not even comfortable in your own skin. I can definitely relate to that. You could look at that and say, that could be me one day. I could be that happy with someone and that comfortable. And I could be happy to share that on my social media platform. So there's so much more to, to what it does for people than maybe we actually realise. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. in my own personal experience like certainly working in both the men's and women's game like when I go to those separate environments and those separate stadiums like I, I, I know that I behave in different ways I know that there's a comfort being in a women's football space that I feel a little bit more on edge in in a, in a, in a men's football space and like in my own personal life recently like I certainly noticed that when I go with someone that I'm dating to a women's game and I would feel so comfortable and feel like you know people aren't looking at me or, or watching me but then that same experience in a men's game which you know I've had recently it's not like I received homophobic abuse but like you know I could sense people were like looking at me and like watching me and you can't kind of put a price on acceptance like you genuinely can't and I think that's what's really great about the women's game is there is just an ease there is a there is like I feel like with the, with even my network with the people in the game that I work with or even the friends that I've made from working women's football, like there is such um, a culture of like freedom and acceptance and it makes me feel so at ease with myself. And I don't actually think I would have been without that, like totally know that I wouldn't have been without that. And when I talk to other people who don't work in women's football and actually I count myself quite lucky that I do with who I am, that I have that almost like, not luxury, because that makes it sound like no one can have it. But do you know what I mean? Like, it's like we are so lucky to have it because it's it's helped us. And I think that's when I talk to other people who may be in a similar situation to me. Like, they they find it more complicated, find it more difficult, find it more confusing because they don't have this safe space where they know that at the end of the day, people are going to, like, laugh and be joyful and accept them for who they are regardless because that's the space we're in. I think, um, I mean, growing up for me, football was definitely a space that I felt so safe. And I think it's probably helped me, because this sounds cheesy as hell, become the person bring the that cheese, I am bring today. Bring the cheese, man. Love that. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> but like in terms of, you know, when I was growing up, I think I, I knew fairly early on that, that I was gay. Um, but in terms of kind of the, the spheres that I felt comfortable displaying that, um, you know, it was football. It was football. You know, I used to play football at grassroots level, and then obviously being with Spurs, and then and now with Palace, and you know, throughout all those different teams, all those different communities, all those different leagues and levels, 
I've always found, you know, a home with those teams and with women who uh, are, are, you know, are from the same community. And I think that's been absolutely massive for me. So I think obviously, you know, growing up, you might not live in a community where there are a lot of gay people there. You might not be in a in a family or in a friendship group that is accepting of that situation. I think living in London sometimes, you can become... Um, you know, almost a little bit complacent that, you know, we do have, we do live in quite a generally liberal city. Bar, yeah, much know. more diverse than a lot of people get to experience. Absolutely, yeah. So I think, you know, even from sort of maybe the more regional spheres where you don't have that kind of level of acceptance necessarily. So, and I think, yeah, for me, when I went to university, I was playing um, football for my university team. And that's when I really found myself coming out of my shell and actually being around people that, you know, felt the same way that I did. And it wasn't odd or unusual. And I wasn't sort of the only one who, you know, felt this unusual way. Um, and the, yeah, and then and then obviously going on to you know onto Spurs and you know the majority of the vast majority of the, of the team were gay. And if anything, that you know the, the the straight people on the team were very much a minority, which is just a very unusual situation. Um, but yeah, and I yeah personally, I've got a lot to thank the the women's football community, and I don't just mean even just the players because you know the fans around the women's game are so inclusive and. I think they do so much stuff across the women and the men's game. Some of the the LGBTQ plus support groups and the and the and the communities. So, um, yeah, thanks football. Uh, well, I'd probably say something really similar. Like, represent. You don't realize how important representation is until you kind of benefit from it. Because um, for me, growing up in Dublin, I grew up in a small like town outside the kind of city centre. Um, so there wasn't a lot of God. Were there any gay? Girls, I don't think so growing up that I can think of. So for me, I came out quite late. Um, and even when I was in a relationship, in the current relationship that I'm in, I would still say things like my other half, my partner. I wouldn't kind of say my girlfriend. Um, you know, I was much more reserved about my sexuality because you were made to feel like it wasn't the norm and you weren't kind of seeing yourself in a lot of places. Now, that has changed a lot in the media, on TV. You're getting a lot more representation. But for me, it wasn't until I was immersed in a a society if you like that where that was the norm and where that was okay and normal that I actually started to feel much more comfortable in my skin for years people didn't realize that me and Soph were in a relationship on Girls in the Ball which seems wild because we literally go everywhere together like we're always together people just thought we were really great gal pals and um, what a surprise but for me actually seeing that in the like in the media that we consume within women's football in interviews or on social media I eventually became much more comfortable in my own skin you know I, I joke to you that like I didn't hold hands with my now wife for like the three quarters of our relationship I wasn't like a PDA kind of person and actually when you see people being happy being proud in their relationships and being open about it it makes you feel prouder and happier than you know and, and more comfortable to be open so thanks football and I think I think it's brilliant that we can have like you know like almost in jokes within women's football, like their lesbian Stacy. That is like that's ours. That's our joke. That's our that's our thing, and that's our fun that we can have together. And it's like we're all part of this little space and community where like it's funny. It's like it's it's yeah, it's free. And I think that's what that's what I find so refreshing is like yes, we have the power side where it's like this is really important. This visibility is really important, and it makes a massive difference to people's lives. And like the people I spoke to for the piece that I did, like it literally changed their lives. Like teenagers who look at Rusha and, and, um, and Katie and look at Christian Sam and like that literally saves their lives. And without them, they, you know, things could be very different, but also they're like the sheer fun of it all. Like that is, 
that is so important for me to have that balance of not just being like, oh, these guys are great role models. Like, it's actually really funny to almost have this, this, I mean, so much is about internet culture, but this little space that we can all sort of exist in where we can all have a joke and a laugh and be really, and be really kind of accepting of ourselves in that same capacity. Women's football is in a perfect world. Um, there's certainly a lot more that could be done, I think, to make the situation even better. Like, yes, there are still examples of homophobia within women's football that, like, all of us have probably experienced and you know, would like to see eradicated. But I, I think there, there's so much good stuff, but there's certainly ways that clubs as well and uh, could be li- pushing a little bit more. I mean, you spoke to Tash Harding recently, Rach, about this very thing, and she was quite sort of open about what she would like to see d- done. Yeah, she said, you know, obviously acknowledged all of the great things that are happening, but that there's more to be done than just rainbow laces. Um, yeah, for me, I still think, you know, we do an amazing job within this this community as women footballers and the fans and media. I think we do a fantastic job. I do think we still got a long way to go, um, you know, not just celebrating rainbow laces, you know, and again, for me, if you look at it from celebrating an LGBTQIA plus community, you're forgetting a few more colours in that in the rainbow laces for me. So I think, again, there's another uh, more spaces to go. Um, what I, for me, is just about being yourself and not caring what other people think. But, you know, I put a post out yesterday on social media and already got abuse from it already. Um, but I've also had contact with that. I've had some nice messages. So... Um, it's an amusing, amazing community to be part of. Um, I think we could do more um, as a league. Um, but they'll come. The more players that we have that are willing to speak up and, and be themselves, I think that's easier then for the league to follow on with. Um, but it's just about making the next generation a lot easier to be themselves and, and, and celebrate who they are rather than go through the times that you know we were scared to, to talk about who we were. Um, so it's just giving those, a, a, you know, someone to look at, really. The one thing I will say, you touched on the fact we've all kind of experienced maybe the negative side on social media and stuff, which kind of elevates even more the fact that there are players out there who are willing to not only be open, which is amazing, but to actually use their platform to be vocal um, about LGBTQ plus advocacy, which I think is amazing because they're putting themselves out there. You know, I've experienced it where it's not women's football fans giving me abuse it's someone following the hashtag who's sitting at home some loser deciding to just troll people because they're homophobic and when you are a player and you're putting yourself out there and using your massive platform to speak about these issues you're also kind of putting yourself at risk of of getting this kind of abuse so it shouldn't all be on players to have to do that they should and I'm sure they do feel supported about the clubs but we should be seeing more from clubs and brands to to normalize this and to to not only have them carry the the brunt or the burden of of speaking out, but you know the bigger clubs that maybe are a little bit more protected because it's a club handle as opposed to a personal handle. Yeah, it's the same with Pride, isn't it? Every year, it's like it shouldn't just be this month that everyone cares. It shouldn't just be Rainbow Laces Day or or all the content around it where everyone suddenly cares. It should be a you know all year long round situation where people are you get to a point where it's it's part of the culture of the club and not up to individual players to be sort of banging that drum. When you see UEFA threatening to, you know, s- give Manuel Neuer a, a fine for wearing a rainbow armband, it really makes you realise there is a bloody long way to go. Mm. When someone considers that political, human rights as political, it just does my head in. So when you've got, sorry UEFA, but when you've got organisations like that doing stuff like that, it, it, it just makes you realise that, yeah, we're not quite there yet. 
But I think in terms of kind of, you know, a lot of the questions are sometimes asked about, you know, what more can the men's game be doing? Uh, you know, what can the men's game learn from the women's game? And and sometimes that becomes the focus of some of the kind of rainbow laces campaign, or it's a t- it's the you know the the WSL and the W and the championship clubs then jump onto the the rainbow laces campaign because obviously that's a Premier League campaign. And you know what I don't want to see is this kind of okay, well we'll just get involved in you know what the men are doing doing, um, because it sort of bolsters your LGBTQ plus um, status and that you're trying to do more and that's fantastic what the men's team are doing but actually what I'd like to see is is more focus on the women's football community um, you know celebrating the unique facet of the LGBTQ plus community in that community just itself Um, you know having our own campaigns having our own kind of and it's not just something that like you said happens in pride or it it doesn't just happen because the men's team are doing their Premier League um, you know Rainbow Laces campaign it's something that we do throughout the year and it's something there needs to be something unique that's just with the women's game I think because for too long now it's just been a case of okay we'll tag along to you know the the pride issues and the the pride um, things that the men's teams are doing so yeah I think more needs to be done for just just us because really we're leading the way when it comes to that. I think it's that we're so progressive. We're so we're at the forefront in this situation so much that it seems weird that we're sort of okay. We'll just wait and see what the men's team are doing, and then we'll mm. just sort of tag on to that. We should be leading the way. Yeah, we we certainly could be taking the lead a little bit more. Yeah, I I agree. Um, you know, and I think there also needs to be this kind of thing that you know, whilst we're massively um you know, represented on the LGBTQ plus sphere. I know when I was doing some kind of equality work, I was a quality officer for uh, Gold Diggers FC, um, sort of grassroots club in uh, based in Hackney. And, and what we were trying to do was actually sort of be more inclusive to uh, the straighter community because what we were finding is that actually we were only getting LGBTQ plus players coming to, uh, to speak to the club and to come to inquire about the club. But I suppose what you, want, you don't want to do is to make it just seem like, you know, women's football exclusive. is LGBTQ plus exclusive because it's not. It's just, it's an, it's an inclusive space for, but obviously everyone, but I agree. Let's do something. Let's do something for us. Come on, gals. Cool. Um, I mean, it's been brilliant to be able to to sit with you guys and, and chat about this and so grateful for people like Katie and Rusha and the way that they put themselves out there. And the like, for me, it's just fun. And I think that's what it comes down to. Like, I think everyone should feel happy and joyful in their existence and we're at such a good place in women's football right now where I just feel like you see that in in like spades. You just see so much joy coming out of this sport and I just like want to bottle it up and sell it because it is so good. You're being adorable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can get some rainbow things. Yeah. One thing I will say to the inevitable trolls who think that there's like a gay agenda or that we're ramming it down people's throats, what representation does and what this openness actually does, it is allows people to be themselves, to be comfortable in their skin, to be open and ultimately to be happy. So if you're somebody who wants to try and stifle that, like you can just get in the bin. Strong. Amen, sister. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's it for, for the year. That's it for our first sort of chunk of this podcast. It has been brilliant to to do this with you guys. It's It's been a, a new project for all of us. Um, have you guys done podcasts before? I've done like guest stuff but I've ne- never you're this pros level. you're ne- absolute pros I've never done this before yeah so it's it's been so much fun to to start this with you guys and with the Ramble team as well we hope you've all enjoyed the first term I'd say I'll talk about school term yeah the first term of this show thank you so much everyone that's listened and sent us messages on Twitter as well um, we've had so much great feedback about the show and you know any thoughts and opinions please you know send them our way um, we want to talk about lots of different things and I think we've done that today with this show 
uh, and we'll definitely be doing it in the future with other things and have a brilliant new year have a brilliant festive season and we'll see you all in 2022 ring that bell because school is out Upfront is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.